0: This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, who's our card for this week?
1: Matt, our card for this week is Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn, pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, number 619.
0: But before we get to that, We do have some follow-up from an episode i think like eight months ago
1: (laughs) time means nothing
0: but
1: (laughs) when did we talk about kirk mccaskill
0: kirk mccaskill was episode 16. it debuted on august 30th of 2020.
1: last august wow it was a different world back then but we talked about kirk mccaskill is he the handsomest man from the 1988 tops podcast mark was challenging for that spot but i think Mark Grace was never on people's most beautiful people list. Kirk McCaskill was born in a city in Ontario. We got a message about our pronunciation. And I'm just gonna read part of this exchange that I got from at Barbecue Rich on Twitter. He said, Did you guys get tweets and emails about pronouncing? And I'm gonna say how we pronounced it in that episode. Kapuska saying, As an Ontario native, I have opinions. <laughs> And we had not gotten any no. notes yet, and I said, "How did? We, how bad did we do?" And he said, "Not the best." <laughs> he said, "Cap us case ing, capus casing, or the cap for short." Uh-huh. He said, "It's a long way from anywhere, but he drove through there this summer." Matt, you know that I'm a historian. I look back through the historical database. At archive.org, and I found a, a a paper about Kappas casing, or the cap, from 1921. And in this document, it talks about the correct pronunciation is Kappas casing, but the original Indian pronunciation was Kapuskasing. And so, apparently, in our efforts in that Kirk McCaskill episode, it looks like we stumbled across close to the correct. Cree Indian pronunciation, but maybe not the the accepted pronunciation from those Ontarioans. The The word, Kappas casing" is a Cree word for bend in the river.
0: This is a podcast that is allied with Indigenous people. So I love that we got very close to uh, original pronunciation for the Indigenous tribe that created it. So good job. Good job, David. And thank you to At Barbecue Rich for at least keeping us up to date on what the current folks uh, may call it,
1: and on a map, Kappas Casing is is truly out there. It is far from a lot of things. I think originally it was just a train station, and it was called McPherson.
0: One other fun fact I will add about Kappas Casing: there are several famous people from Kappas Casing. Kirk McCaskill, his father Ted McCaskill, who was a famous hockey player, but also Richard Maskell, who was born in cap is casing, but ended up as an American citizen and a bronze medalist in the 1986 World Championship of Curling and a two-time United States men's curling champion 1986 and 2002. I know this from my other podcast about curling called sweep hard. That's enough about Ontario. Let's head back to our card for today, who is Mike Dunn. And Mike Dunn has been a recurring character. On our show for a long time I feel like the circle of life somehow includes Mike Dunn but he was also a suggestion from a listener
1: yes thank you to listener Ben who sent us an email he said some very nice things about the pod he was working his way back through episodes and got to Matt Noakes and he suggested that we do another all-star rookie and you know there's so many good all-star rookies in this 1988 top set he grew up a Red Sox fan, but his alternate team was the Pirates. He had an American League team and a, and a National League team. And there are some good all-star rookies in this set. Matt Noakes, Mark McGuire, Kevin Seitzer, and two on the Red Sox even, Greenwell and Burks. Well, Ben said that finding an all-star rookie was like holding the future of baseball in your hands, which I thought was very poetic. And his favorite all-star rookie from the set, who he suggested, was Mike Dunn. And he collected Mike Dunn cards and followed his career. That little trophy on the card was an important signifier to Ben that this guy is going to be great. And you're getting in on the ground floor of a career that's about
0: to take off. And so we thought we would walk through Mike Dunn's career. Thanks a lot, Ben, for sending that in. Let's go to the front of 619. And yeah, there in the lower right-hand corner, you've got the Topps All-Star rookie, the amazing trophy On the plaque on the front and the big lettering on the corner. I never really liked the look. I think we mentioned this in the Matt Noakes episode. It's a very crowded space with this. This trophy is kind of weirdly placed, but overall, the picture is very good. You've got Mike Dunn, who's just finished his delivery on the mound, a right-handed pitcher. He's watching to see if the batter is going to hit the ball into play and going to get ready for defense. I think it's a really good shot. There's a nice image of the crowd behind him and a fuzzy background. So this is a Pirates away uniform, the gray and the yellow stripe down the side. The shoes
1: look cool. Is that a Converse cleat? It has a star on it, black and yellow shoe. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it is pretty cool. Before we go to the back of the card though, David, we've mentioned this in a few episodes that there were many other experimental series that Topps put out for the 1988 set. And Mike Dunn's card, because of his all-star rookie status, got him a placement in many of these. So the 1988 Rookies set, the OPC set, the big cards, the coins, the mini cards, the glossy cards, the Rite Aid pharmacy cards. Well, what I want to put into the show notes is the big card from this season has Mike Dunn in a white jersey, and then it has, it's so big, it has his image on the left-hand side, you know, in pitching motion, and then on the right-hand side has a blow-up, you know, just of his face. But on the left-hand side, he's got a mustache. On the right-hand side, he's got no mustache. He's, he's clean-shaven, and he looks 10 years old. The guy he on looks the left- so young. The guy on the left looks 25 years old, as he is. The guy on the right looks like his kid- like really kid brother, like 12 or 13 years younger brother.
1: And it is easy to forget how, because these guys, so many of them have mustaches, people did just look older, mm-hmm. but he was 25 years old and he was a rookie.
0: Mustache does a good job of hiding your age in whichever way you want to go. But to the back of the card, so Mike Dunn, 6'4", 200 right-handed thrower and batter drafted by the cardinals in 1984 and born october 27th 1962 in south bend indiana with a home in bartonville illinois
1: bartonville is just south of peoria on the illinois river not a lot of famous folks from bartonville on the wikipedia page only mike dunn and jim tomey are listed both of whom Mm. went to limestone high school Bartonville also famous for having the Illinois Hospital for the incurable insane, later known as the Peoria State Hospital, which is a probably better name than (laughs) for the incurable insane. That closed in 1973 and has this big imposing building that looked like a medieval castle. There were multiple cemeteries on the ground for people who died while housed at this asylum. At one point, it had 2,800 patients. So packed full of people who were incurably insane, as deemed by the state, and apparently was also haunted by a ghost named Old Book, who was the gravedigger on staff. And and when he died, a hundred nurses saw his ghost or his figure standing next to this old tree, and they were so taken by this, this image that they thought it was Old Book, and they actually dug up his grave to see if he was in the casket, and he was. But apparently there have been multiple incidences of hauntings, probably like high school kids going to this old hospital for the incurably insane to spook their friends. The last of the buildings was torn down in 2017, but it was featured on a 2013 episode of the show Ghost Hunters.
0: That's the most morbid segment I think we've done.
1: Old book.
0: (laughs) Old Old book. book. haunting the insane asylum
1: they say the old they say old books not been seen around these parts
0: (laughs) well moving on to (laughs) good transition (laughs) so mike dunn was not drafted out of high school he ended up playing in college and didn't go very far from home
1: no he went right up the road to peoria the phrase will it play in peoria in the case of mike dunn he will play in peoria at bradley university And that phrase, will it play in Peoria, describing the appeal to the mainstream, middle America, Peoria, Illinois, often used as a test market for fast food, advertising, political ads. Maybe the most famous person from Peoria would probably not be described as conforming to mainstream conventions, and that's Richard Pryor, famous for his own baseball career in the movie Brewster's Millions. And you know, I say that, not conforming to mainstream con- mainstream conventions. But Richard Pryor then went on to be in all of these mainstream comedies in the 80s.
0: So maybe he did play in Peoria. Yes, he ended up a major, major movie star. Bradley University, located in
1: Peoria, was founded by Lydia Moss Bradley. And she had six children, all of whom died of frontier illnesses. And her husband was a bank president who died in his 50s. And then Lydia became the first female member of a national bank board. And so in her own right was a businesswoman, philanthropist. She's in the National Women's Hall of Fame. And she started Bradley Polytechnic Institute in memory of her children. She founded this great university that has at least four Bradley University alums in the 1988 top set, Mike Dunn, Jim Lindman, Guy Hoffman, and Kirby Puckett. Kirby Puckett went there for one year before transferring back closer to home to community college before he went to the twins and all four of those guys are in the bradley sports hall of fame uh, along with my friend from law school david who's in the bradley hall of fame for the 1998 bradley soccer team that won the missouri valley conference tournament other famous alums jack brickhouse my friend eric from high school who played shrek on broadway (laughs) (laughs) the late bulls gm jerry Krause, and my wife
0: the most famous and talented of all of them exactly so, excellent. How did Mike Dunn do it, Bradley?
1: His first two seasons are, are not spectacular. As a sophomore, he went 4 and 4 with a 6.61 ERA. Not necessarily numbers that portend a great career in major league baseball, but in his junior season, he went 8 and 2 and gave up just 62 hits in 85 innings and had 77 strikeouts, a 2.44 ERA. He had 10 complete games and was the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. In 2007, he was on the Missouri Valley Conference all-centennial team. So historically great for that division, and it got him some national attention. The previous season, 1983, his teammate, Jim Lindman, was the first Bradley player ever drafted in the first round. Mike's solid career at Bradley, earned him a spot in the first round as well, the seventh overall pick by his childhood team, the St. Louis Cardinals. That also earned him a $116,000 signing bonus, which I thought was an interesting sign of the times, and Mike has pointed it out in interviews. That spot in the draft would probably make you a multimillionaire now. In fact, in 2020, the Seventh pick in the draft, got a $5.4 million (laughs) signing bonus. Oh, oh, man. Just 20 years after Mike was drafted, that pick was worth $2.3 million just as a signing bonus. But Mike was picked three spots ahead of Mark McGuire, five spots ahead of B. McDowell. And really, that was after only one very good college season. But he impressed enough to get that uh, to be one of the top prospects.
0: It also put him on the Olympic team.
1: Yes, and as we talked about in the Oda B. McDowell episode, that led to a 33-city tour playing local teams, AAA teams, other national teams. This 1984 Olympic team had Barry Larkin, Mark McGuire, Oda B. McDowell, Bobby Witt, Will Clark, and Mike Dunn was one of the pitchers on that team. He had only two innings in one game in the Olympics. And if you look at the 1985 Topps card, you can see his Olympic stats and his college stats. On the Oda B. McDowell episode, we talked a little bit about what kind of strain this pre-Olympic tour put on some of these players coming out of college, that they're missing some time in the minor leagues, they're about to go be professional ball players. some of them just got signing bonuses, and then they have to go on this long tour, and that some of the players thought it maybe was a mistake to go on this Olympic tour not for Mike. Mike didn't get to pitch much in the Olympics, but he called this one of the greatest time periods of his life. He pitched two innings at Dodger Stadium in a 16-1 to victory over Italy. And he just said, you're pitching in Dodger Stadium. People are chanting USA, USA. He also got to stay for the entirety of the Olympics in the opening ceremony, in the closing ceremony. And he just said it was one of the greatest periods of his life.
0: Yeah, the 1984 Olympics would have been an amazing thing to be a part of just in general. And a
1: guy just getting out of college about to go embark on a major league baseball career who's kind of kind of came out of nowhere in college too. So that that had to have been a great experience for Mike Dunn.
0: Definitely. And it and if you look at 1985, 86, 87, And Mike Dunn progresses up the ladder in the minor leagues, hoping to one day make it to the Cardinals, to the team that he loved since boyhood, and hoping to finally get that call up in 1987.
1: And then it takes us to the This Way to the Clubhouse, and uh, maybe an April Fool's joke.
0: Yeah, Mike Dunn gets the news on April 1st, and this is a fun fact that we've mentioned a couple times before in the Tony Pena episode and Andy Vance like, and that is that Mike Dunn was traded by the Cardinals to the Pirates with Andy Van Slyke and Mike Lavalier for Tony Pena, April 1st, 1987. So none of these debuts and making it up the ladder end up happening for the Cardinals. Instead, they happened for the Pirates. And Mike Dunn really took this hard.
1: He said that he thought it was a joke. The Pirates had their choice of Joe McGrain or Mike Dunn and they picked Mike Dunn as a, a young starting pitcher. Mike Dunn was disappointed. He grew up a Cardinals fan, wanted to play for the Cardinals. Uh, While his name probably wasn't the one that Cardinal fans were saddest to see leave, for him it was was devastating. But it also gave him a good opportunity. And that next season at Vancouver, he went 3-5, but he had a 1.76 ERA in nine starts, not overpowering 31 strikeouts and 61 innings. But it got him a call up to the Pirates.
0: Yeah. And the fun fact on the card is a triple fun fact, which is makes his Major League debut June 5th of 1987, gets his first Major League win June 9th, 1987, and records his first shutout August 25th, 1987. And that
1: first start was a big one. He he was in front of 55,000 fans at Shea Stadium against the Mets, and those fans were there because it was also Dwight Gooden's first start of the season. Dwight Gooden was returning from rehab after a positive drug test in spring training, and so the fans were out to see returning Dwight Gooden, and they also got to see rookie Mike Dunn. And Dunn only gave up one earned run in six innings, but the Mets won 5-1. to one. And then that second fun fact, his first win was on June 9th. So just four days later, that started a run of three straight complete games. He only gave up three earned runs total in his next three games. And those were all wins, including his first career win. After that, he had a little bit of a shaky run. He lost three in a row and then had seven starts in a row where he didn't give up more than two runs. Because this was a mediocre Pirates team, he only got four wins in those seven games. Going to that third fun fact, that shutout was a one nothing win against the Reds, a two-hitter, where he, Mike struck out seven. And that also started a five-game winning streak for Mike Dunn, 5-0 and with a 1.66 ERA in that stretch, which brought his record to 12-5. and
0: He gets one more win and loss uh, for the year to end up with a rookie year of 13-6 and record, 3.03 ERA, and in 163 innings, 72 strikeouts and 68 walks. So great stats for his rookie year. He was on the National League leaderboard in wins. I think he was ninth
1: in wins. He was fourth in hits per nine innings with 7.8 hits per nine innings and third in the National League in home runs per nine innings. So he was limiting hits, limiting home runs. He was second in ERA. This is interesting because it's a 3.03 ERA. It doesn't look that impressive, but remembering that 1987 was a big year for home runs and a big year for scoring generally in the rabbit ball. If you adjust for time period, adjust for league averages and park factors... With this ERA+, Mike Dunn had a pretty great rookie season. He had the 10th best rookie ERA+, since 1970, at 135. So his ERA was 35% better than the league average. And if you're looking at rookies since 1970, he's right behind Dwight Gooden's 1984 season in ERA+. So Dunn had a pretty historically great rookie season, and was named the Sporting News 1987 National League Rookie Pitcher of the Year and finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting to Benito Santiago. So that very strong rookie season earns him that little All-Star Rookie Cup and a starting lineup figure and a place in uh, listener Ben's heart.
0: Yeah, and the Pirates have got to feel great in 1987 Andy Van Slyke is the star of this trade on the Pirates' side. Mike Lavalier, a serviceable catcher who will be there for many years. But Mike Dunn being the rookie, kind of the wild card there that they just picked. And he ends up having a fantastic year. Unfortunately, this is his best year of his career.
1: Yeah, this is the only season that his ERA was better than league average. So if you're a a Pirates fan in 1988, you had to believe that Going into that season, you have two all-star rookies in that season before with Al Padrique and Mike Dunn. You have Andy Vance like Mike Lavalier winning the gold glove. Things are going to be looking up. There's a series of videos on YouTube that I found called Proud Again, the story of the 1988 <laughs> Pirates. And that team, after a series of under 500 seasons, they went 85 and 75. So they were competitive throughout the summer but they finished 15 games behind the Mets in second place. But young up-and-coming team's going to be good, and Mike Dunn's going to be a part of it. He was okay in 1988. He was 7-11 with a 3.94 ERA. He had six no-decisions where he gave up one or zero runs, so he had some tough luck. He was giving up more walks and hits. His strikeouts were down. He pitched in more innings in 1988 than 87, but he wouldn't really play another full season in the majors. He had some arm trouble, some arm injuries that showed up later on, and he wasn't around for that run of three straight NLCS appearances for the Pirates.
0: Yeah, in 1989, it starts rough. The first three games, he goes one and one with a 7.53 ERA, and then gets traded, and this is the third player... From a previous episode, David, that Mike Dunn is tied to. He was traded to Seattle for Ray Quinones and a couple minor leaguers who were also involved. And we know how this turns out for Ray. He ends up being released later that season and is in Puerto Rico somewhere. Uh, we haven't been able to determine. But during his, his time in Seattle, it didn't. Things didn't really get much better for Mike Dunn.
1: Again, some injuries, some inconsistency. He was. 2-9 and nine with a 5.27 ERA in 1989. He spent some time in AAA. By the end of the season, he was left off the 40-man roster, which left him open to the 1989 Rule 5 draft. Rule 5 drafts right now in the news because of Yermin Mercedes and his current greatness for the White Sox. He was a Rule 5 draft selection. In 1989, the San Diego Padres tried to do the same and picked Mike Dunn up off the Mariners roster which meant that they had to keep him on the roster for the next season. So going into 1990, Mike Dunn is rehabbing from injury. He's at A, and he threw a no-hitter for Las Vegas, for the Las Vegas (laughs) Stars. That's nice. So that was early May of 1990, and he got called up to the Padres the next week. He ended up pitching in 10 games. It didn't go great. Six of those were starts. He had a 5.65 ERA for the season and went 0-3 again, dealing with some arm trouble and
0: just not quite getting back to that 1987 standard that he had. So 1991, he's out on the open market and signs a minor league deal with the White Sox and starts at their AAA team, goes 10 and six with a 2.78 ERA. And this finally gets him called back up to the majors, but only for four games.
1: Mike was called back up to the White Sox in September of 1992, appears in four games, he went 2-0 and that season with a 4.26 ERA, but was clearly kind of an afterthought for that White Sox team. But he did have a, a great season at, at AAA, so it seemed like he still had something in the tank. He stuck around in the minor leagues for 1993 as well with the White Sox, and then finally with the Phillies AAA affiliate in Scranton in 1994, which I think takes us back to Ben and his story about this card. Ben grew up on the East Coast and went to a lot of Paw Sox games, the Pawtucket Red Sox, and you could easily get autographs from minor league players. Sometimes guys get sent down for a rehab assignment. And in 1994, Scranton's AAA team, the (laughs) Scrantones, Coast Scranton Paper Mills, featured Mike Dunn. And Ben had followed his career for his this whole time, this whole eight years, and he brought a, a handful of Mike Dunn cards to get signed. Mike Dunn told him he would sign one card, and Ben said that it was a no-brainer, and he sent us an image of this card that Mike Dunn had signed to Ben from Mike Dunn. So a very nice story of of meeting your childhood hero and, and, and following that hero for for his career.
0: Yeah, he said, after all these years, it's nobody's coolest or flashiest story of meeting a player, but as a Guy I followed from rising star on a baseball card to his final season in baseball. It's why Mike Dunn is one of my all time favorites. And that's a cool way to end this five seasons. He has a 25 and 30 record with a 4.08 ERA in the majors, seven career complete games and one shutout as a major leaguer. What did he do in retirement?
1: Uh, He went back to Peoria and Bradley had the same head coach that they had when Mike played in 1981, a guy named Dewey Calmer. Dewey Calmer has one of the worst Wikipedia pages I've ever seen. Bradley University needs to get in there and update this. But it includes this quote. This is a horrible page for a great college coach. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has spammed the Wikipedia.
0: So so listeners, please help get on this right away.
1: Uh, Dewey Calmer was there with Bradley University for 30 plus years or something. And Mike was his pitching coach from 2000 to 2009. When Dewey retired in 2009, Bradley brought in a new head coach, and Mike was replaced by a new pitching coach. But he still lives in the Peoria area. He runs a Future Stars Youth Basketball League with the coach of Limestone High School and coaches youth baseball both at camps and at another local high school. Mike had three kids, two of whom were also notable athletes. Kelly, who played Volleyball and softball at Eureka College, alma mater of President Ronald Reagan. She finished her career with a 400 batting average and went on to coach at Eureka College as well. Ryan is also a pitcher who spent time at John A. Logan Community College, Missouri State, and Western Illinois. So, like a Russell, he (laughs) was a leatherneck and also signed a major league contract after his career at Western Illinois as of 2019 was in the Reds minor league system. I'm not quite sure where he's at now because of the minor league redesign. We will be on the lookout for where Ryan Dunn is uh, playing baseball in 2021.
0: So as we close the book on Mike Dunn, he kind of has that feeling of a one hit wonder episode.
1: Yeah. One of those seasons that is spectacular and you expect great things going forward, particularly for a rookie. That trade, Tony Pena for Andy Van Slyke, Mike Lavalier, Mike Dunn, is still called one of the best trades in pirate history. And for those of us who are collecting cards in 1988, you look at this card and probably still remember like, oh, Mike Dunn. That was a guy with, with great potential. And like Ben said, this this represents a time when You could hold this card and think that you were holding the future of baseball. We didn't have as much information as we have right now. So if you're a young Pirates fan, this is all you know about this guy. Maybe you don't know about Mike's Olympic pedigree or that one great season at Bradley University, but you see that little gold cup and you think this is going to be a great team. We have this great pitcher. We have Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Andy Van Slyke. Things are looking up. And so it's interesting to think about Ben's experience with Mike Dunn, that by 1994, Mike was 32 years old and making that one last grasp for the major leagues. And here you have a a kid with a stack of cards who's been following him since he was seven or eight years old. And it's really nice that Mike took the time to personalize that card for Ben. And and nice that Ben remembered him and, and looked into who was playing for the Scranton Philadelphia Phillies minor league team and found out that it was one of his card-collecting heroes. So I think it could be a little bit disappointing that you have a guy with, with such a strong rookie season who then wasn't able to turn that into a Hall of Fame career. But like Mike was a number one draft pick. He had a, a fine major league career. His Bradley baseball number is retired. He played in the Olympics in 1984 and had people chanting USA, USA at him we should all be so lucky. But for those of us who collected cards and, and still like to look at these cards, if you say Mike Dunn to me, I remember that little gold cup.
0: Yeah, me too, but you're right. We should all be so lucky to have a career like that. So well done, Mike Dunn. And thank you very much to Ben for sending in that suggestion. And we need more suggestions right now, folks. We. We still have more than 700 episodes to go. We need your help. So please reach out to us. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash 1988 Tops Podcast. You can also email us at 1988TopsPodcast at gmail.com. And if you've ever had a gondola from Avanti's, so especially if you're in the Peoria or East Peoria area, we would love to hear from you. You can just tweet at us, Tops1988. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.